Uh, happy Mother's Day. And I'm, I'm hoping that you guys have done something for your mom, that you have in some way served her. I'm hoping that you, that you men who have wives, that you have served your wife in some special way, that you give her a day off or something along those lines, and that you are, um, that you are a godly husband as well. I just want to give you a couple of announcements before I forget. Uh, uh, Outward Tables, which is a, an event for our, our gals. It's for women only. It's on um, May 22nd. You can sign up online or find out more information at Connect Central. They'll tell you about it, but it's essentially this. It's women gathering around a table and uh, eating some food, uh, some appetizers, maybe some wine, something like that. And I think you're going to talk. I don't know what girls do when they get together, but I'm pretty sure that they talk, and so that's probably what's going to be happening. But it's a great connection point. We had fantastic feedback, and so we're asking everybody who, who hasn't been a part of this yet to, to come be a part of it um, if you're a gal. Uh, next Sunday after church, we have another junior high event, so we'd love to see um, your junior higher at that event. You can find out more again at Connect Central. They'll be doing that right after the service. Um, also, next Sunday, uh, we have a church planter who we will be uh, supporting in uh, Charleston, I believe. It's either Charlotte or Charleston. I get them mixed up, but we are very connected with this, this guy. He used to be here at our church. His name is Aaron Nabriha. He's going to be preaching for us. He's a fantastic preacher. I want to encourage you to come, uh, and I'm excited to have him. He's a very close friend of mine. I was just down in Dallas with him. He'll be preaching for us. So I'll get a week off, but um, it'll be a great time for us to gather around, hear about his church that he'll be planting, and then pray for him and send him off. Um, lastly is this. I'm talking about parenting uh, and, uh, and, and, and essentially honoring your parents today. So before you tune me out, uh, some of you singles, I'll, I'll get to you here in just a second. But um, we have a, a book here that is from the Village Church, which is one of our network churches. They just put this together for uh, something that they're doing as a church. They made it available to us. We have about 20 copies out at Connect Central. If you are a family, you're looking for ways, you're trying to figure out how to lead your family spiritually. Guys oftentimes do not know what to do. You're just kind of like, these kids are crazy. Like, lock them up. Like, get them in bed. I'm like that. Um, most of us are like that. But uh, this is a, a good way to begin. And we, we want you to know that we wholeheartedly support this. There's some copies out there out there. We'll make it available online as well. It's a fantastic resource. So we are into Proverbs uh, still, and so we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. We're talking about parenting today, and so uh, parenting and, and essentially being a child, if, if I have enough time, and how to honor your parents. Um, but all of us are children, uh, most of us are in here anyway, and so all of us are children on some level or another, so it applies to all of us in some way. Some of you, uh, you, maybe you won't have kids biologically, but maybe you'll be adopting, and so this is a great opportunity for you to hear this. I know that it's hard for many of you who have not, who have not been able to have kids yet, but I want to encourage you to keep your spirits up and allow God to do something amazing in and through you, possibly through adoption or um, whatever means that may, may look like, or foster care. There's many kids in the system uh, in our city, in our uh, state, in our, our country, in, in our world who need parents. And so this will be great for you as well. 
Well, we're going to be talking about this today because this is incredibly important. So many of us here right now either will have kids soon, either we have had kids, they're a little bit later in life, um, uh, and, uh, or uh, we ha have just had a child, perhaps. And so what's happening in, in our lives is that many of us have infant children uh, or they're a little bit older, so we're kind of a young church, which is okay. If you feel like you're one of the oldest people here, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming. And you can be here to support some of our parents, but we're so glad that you're here. But what it looks like for us is that some of us are just kind of getting used to this whole parenting thing. We're trying to get used to what's happening in our homes. Uh, the craziness is starting to uh, ratchet up a little bit and, and stuff is, it might be going nuts a little bit. You're not sure when to begin uh, directing your child and what your responsibility is. And so we want to help you with that. The Bible gives at least... There's more, but at least two great examples of really horrible parenting. And so we'll start with the negative first. And the first one is out of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2. Uh, if you've heard the story about Samuel, Samuel is this kid. He's been devoted to the Lord by his mother, and he's, he's staying with the priest in the house of God. And essentially, he hears from God three times, and he goes to the priest, Eli, and he says, hey, are you calling me? And Eli says, I'm not calling you. And so he goes to him again, hey, did you call me? He's like, I'm not calling you. The third time, he goes to Eli, and Eli says, listen, if, uh, if you hear this again, it's the Lord, and you need to say, here I am. Uh, I'm ready to hear from you, essentially. And so that's what, um, that's what Samuel does. And so what's happening is this, is that God is calling a new man of God because Eli has been a horrible priest. And it says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. And I want to point that out to you because of this. Because Eli is a priest, and he's in the church all the time. And his kids are in the church all the time. And so if that guy can be a priest and his kids cannot know the Lord, then you could be attending church, you could be a part of church, and your kids may not know the Lord. And so you could, one day, you'll come to the youth pastor here at Outward Church, and you'll say, I can't understand it. I don't know why my, my child has done this. And the thing that you need to understand is there is no guarantee that because you dedicated your children and because you even just attended church, that somehow that uh, they are going to grow up and do what's right. So Eli had worthless, uh, worthless men. They were worthless sons. They did not know the Lord, even though their daddy was a priest. It's a horrible story. And it goes on in, in 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing uh, all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So here this guy Eli is. He's a priest. He knows what his kids are doing. I mean, they're having uh, sexual relationships with women who are at the church. I mean, they're at the church building. He's hanging out with the greeters. And he's, I mean, these, these two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are hanging out with the greeters at the door. They're committing egregious sinful acts. And what does Eli do? And he said to them, so he, this is what he says to them. 
He says, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings with these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people, uh, the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. And so here's what Eli does. He just starts yelling at his kids. He starts hollering at them. You guys shouldn't do this. You, I, I, just yells at them. But nothing ever changes. Nothing ever happens. And here this, this guy is. He's a priest, and his sons are out of control, and he does little to help them, and all he does is yell at them. And parents, you need to understand something. You cannot lead your kids by yelling at them. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. You cannot lead your kids by yelling at them. You, that is not training. That is not training. Sometimes there, it's important to make sure that you're understood and that you're stern, but yelling at your kids all the time will not do anything. And this is what God says to Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29. He says, why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? They're sinning sexually. They're taking money. They're taking sacrifices. They're taking whatever they want. And what God says to Eli, and he, he says this, he says, you are honoring your sons above me. You're honoring your sons. And, and so God sees what's going on with Eli. Hey, God, I told him, I told him, no, this is not good. And God still says, no, 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 no. You're not doing it right. You are caring more for your own comfort than you are for the future of your kids. And parents need to know this. That when you choose to not lead your kids, when you choose to not discipline them, you are selfishly caring for yourself and for your comfort immediately and not for the future of your children because discipline is difficult. It's very difficult to get off the couch and say, all right, let's do this, you know. I got to take care of this. Do you know how much I like hearing my, my children cry and scream because I put them in a, a timeout or because I gave them a spanking or something like that? I don't like it at all. It's easy to not discipline. But so many in our world would have you believe that somehow that you should go ahead and just let the child be and let them raise themselves and self-actualize when this is absolute foolishness. It's complete foolishness. Our own government disagrees with that, saying that we need people to be mentors because we have so many fatherless children. These kids do not have good mentors. And Eli is here, and he has a serious problem. And here's what you need to get. If you honor your kids more than you honor your God, your kids will not honor God and instead honor themselves. If you honor your kids instead of honoring your God, your kids will honor themselves and not God. And it will not go well with them. It will not. The second story I have for you is from King David. 
And King David is a, uh, a figure in uh, the Bible that is very well respected. He's very re- well respected in Israel. And King David, is, he's, he's a big deal. But here's the problem with David, is that he had multiple issues uh, throughout his family, throughout uh, the upbringing of his children, and it constantly came back to bite him. It constantly came back to bite him. And in one specific instance, there was uh, his son, his oldest living son at the time, whose name was Adonijah. And it says this in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, that was uh, David's, one of David's wives, exalted himself. David was close to death. And Adonijah exalts himself, saying, I will be king. And what, what, what he thinks is this. That I'm the oldest living son, so obviously I'm going to be making it to the throne. And look at what he does. He says, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And so he gets a motorcade together. He gets, I mean, he gets, you know, the Suburbans and, you know, the Secret Service. And they're all running before him. He's running around like he's got this thing. Nailed. Like, I'm going to be king. That's all there is to it. He's having a party. And what does it say next? Verse 6. It's it's like the scripture is explaining it for us immediately. Why was this guy arrogant? Why would he do this? Verse 6 says, His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done thus and so? And the second reason was this. He was also a very handsome man, and he was born next after Absalom. So he is arrogant, he's affluent, and he's hot. I mean, he's, he's attractive. I mean, this guy, he's a looker. He's a looker, and he's thinking, I belong on that throne. But what it says is this, is that where's the fault for all this stuff? Where's the fault? It's on David, this respected king. And his father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? David never says no. He doesn't want to make him mad. Doesn't want to to upset the child. And who knows what it is? He's too busy. I'm sure that's part of it. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got a kingdom. He's He's got all kinds of things happening in his life. It's coming down to this. It's, 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 it's that I just don't want to take the time to do that. I get home from work, and I don't want to discipline. And David, his father, never says, you will not do that in my home, son. He never confronts his arrogance and, and says this, look, bro, I see that you have this nice flowing hair, that you're a good-looking guy, But I just want to help you understand something, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and you will not act arrogantly in my home. You will not act like you have it all together because you're so affluent because you're King David's son. David never did this. He never displeased him, always gave him what he he wanted. And so here we have two examples of egregious problems. And ultimately, Adonijah was put to death because of his arrogance, because he presumed. And it falls back on the father. It falls back on David. It falls back on the parents. If you're going to avoid the mistakes of Eli or King David, 
you must understand something, and that is that your training of your child must be intentional. It must be intentional. If you are not intentionally thinking through these things, if all you're ever doing is reacting to stuff that's going on in their lives, like Eli, this is not good, you should not have done this, but the time to tell his sons, hey, don't have sex with the women that are greeting, right? The time to do that was well in advance. There were, there were other signs of that. There were other things that were going on. And what's happening with our kids is this, is that our kids and the way that they act and their spirituality and the way that they honor you is caught more than it is taught. You can teach them, but it's also, it is caught. They can catch on to what you're struggling with. They can catch on to what's happening with you, and they can exhibit those same exact traits. So who knows what was going on in Eli's life? But you've got to be intentional if you're going to lead your kids. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this isn't just like an assurance, like before he dies, if you train him well, he's going to flip a switch. He's not going to be a moron anymore. No, that's not what it's saying. It's, it's saying this. It's saying that if you train up your child when he gets older and as he lives life, as she lives life, they will not depart from it. Now, we do know of circumstances where we've had great parents, godly parents, and kids who've gone off the rails. We've seen it. It happens all the time. It's devastating, especially to those parents. Uh, somebody who is a, he's, he's a great friend of mine, was on our board for a while. He is a great man of God, and he has, I, I want to say, two or three other kiddos who are walking with Jesus, and one that did not. Just didn't. Just didn't. And he was constantly pursuing this child trying to develop a relationship with the child and just couldn't. Sometimes these things go off the rails. Proverbs is not giving promises. It's giving probabilities. It's saying this, that this is the way that God designed this world, but sin has corrupted it, and it can corrupt those things. However, if you participate with God's design, if you participate with the way that God has intended our life to work, things will go better for you. If you're going to avoid the mistakes of Eli or King David, you're going to have to train your child. You're going to have to put forethought into it. You've got to think about it. Some of you have, have brand new babies. It's your, it's, your first, it's your first child. You're going to have to put forethought into this. It'd be good for you and your wife uh, or you and your husband to talk about what it looks like to discipline well and what it looks like to, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Maybe you should read a parenting book, something along those lines. You need to be preemptive rather than just reactionary. For sure, you need to react well, but preemptive work is going to do so much for you. Preemptive work, and we'll get into that in just a second. Proverbs 29, verse 15 through 17 the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. If you say, I am going to allow this child to develop into the person that he is uh, or that she is, and I'm just going to kind of let, let this go, uh, what you're going to find out is that this child will bring shame to the mother and the father, will bring shame to the home. If you just let it go, that's, that it's just going to go that way. 
That's, God has intended that you would lead your kids. And when you don't, it's going to bring shame to your family. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son or daughter, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Uh, the book of Proverbs is so much about disciplining your son or daughter. You've got to understand this. Like, it's repeated over and over and over again. Some of you are single. You're like, I don't even have time to think about kids. I don't want to think about kids right now. But listen, you need to think about this and understand, what does it look like to be a parent? How are you going to lead them? What kind of a disciplinarian will you be? Will you be somebody who's harsh or will you be too gracious? Will you be somebody who is thinking about the needs of your children and walking with that? If you don't, you will be leaving your child to himself or herself and bring shame on your family. The easiest way, the easiest, I mean, this is the easiest way for you to say to your kids this, I don't love you. The easiest way to do this is to not discipline them. It's to not discipline them. You can read whatever you want on the interweb. You can listen to whoever you want. It does not matter. There, there are a number of people who are, who are biblical, but there is so much advice out there that is such crud. It is such crud. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. When we think about diligence, we're talking about working hard. Parenting is hard work. Lazy parents don't discipline. Lazy parents refuse to spank. I'm not saying, we'll get into that in just, in just a moment before you, you freak out and call, what is it, DHS on me. I'm not sure it's even good to call, never mind, I'm not going to say that right now. All right. Sorry, we'll strike that from the record. Sorry, if you work for DHS, we're so glad that you're here today. And thank you for serving our city and our, and our uh, what is this? It's a state. That's right. Okay. Yes. Where was I? Okay. If you spare the rod, you hate your child. I just want you to think about that for a second. It's, it's discipline. If you refuse the discipline, I just don't want to do it. I don't like, this, I don't like the crying. I don't want to tell them no. You hate your child. It's, it's just hate. That's what it is. You love yourself. You want to honor yourself over God. You don't want to deal with that. You're lazy. You're refusing to be diligent. And what's required of you is diligence. You must be diligent in the way that you pay attention to your children. Okay? Discipline is love expressed. Permissiveness is hate toward our children. So what is discipline? What is discipline? Discipline is described, this word uh, from the original text is uh, described or translated in a couple of different, or a few different ways. Instruction, many times. Correction, eight times. It's not always like the rod, right? The spanking or something like that. It's, it's correction. It's instruction. It's admonishment. It's uh, to chasten or, or chastisement. It's to check or to bond, to discipline. Uh, it's doctrine. That's another variance of this word. It's, uh, it's written as a rebuker. 
Somebody who, who's uh, rebuking something in someone else and saying, hey, you, you need to stop this. This is wrong. So discipline is not just corporal discipline, a spanking, a flick on the hand, something like that. But discipline is mostly verbal. Discipline is mostly verbal. It's instruction to your children. It's instructing them well on a regular basis and and helping them understand what it is that they're doing wrong and many, many, many times what it is that they're doing right. It's giving them encouragement, saying, way to go, buddy. Way to go, honey. Oh, my goodness. You helped someone. Oh, my goodness. You didn't punch your sister or you know something like that that's so fantastic i was driving down the the road the other day with uh hudson my youngest son who's five and reagan my daughter who is six now and they're in the very back of the suburban just having a nice time driving back from lowe's or something like that and i'm driving along and uh all of a sudden hudson starts wailing he's crying everything was fine a few minutes ago now he's wailing so I, I turn around and I go, Reagan, what did you do? And, uh, and, and Hudson goes, she hit me, she hit me, she hit me. I said, Reagan, did you, did you hit him in the face? Um, and she, she just very kindly says, um, yes, yes. I'm like, dude, you are getting a whooping when we get home or something. Like, you, you're just going to bullface, just tell me what's... I mean, I guess I don't want her to lie, but it's just like, yep. And I said, well, you're, you're in trouble when we get home. I don't know what I did. Made all kinds of empty threats and stuff, but... Um, uh, so I... I, uh, I, I she goes, but, but Daddy, Daddy, um, I have to tell you something. And I said, okay, like, <laughs> what could the possible explanation... You just clocked your brother. She says... Dad, uh, but Hudson told me to punch him in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, Hudson would not do that, right? This kid's five. Why would he do that? So I turned to Hudson. This is all in the rear view. Um, I'm not texting and driving, but I'm, you know, like this the whole time. And uh, Hudson, did you tell your sister to punch you in the face? Yes. The obvious next question is, Hudson, why did you tell your sister to punch you in the face? And he says, because I wanted her to get in trouble. <laughs> Dude, you mischievous little. And all I could say, because I'm laughing too hard, is like, well, guess you got what you deserved. <laughs> no one's getting a spank now. You got clocked in the face. That was dumb. Uh... Uh, sometimes parenting is just funny like that. It's just, it's just, it's, it's silliness. It's silliness. And sometimes you don't have to bring the rod because the child is uh, <laughs> reaping the rewards of what they're doing. Sometimes I tell the kids, uh, there, there was like tons of whining going on, so we instituted a new policy, which was wedgies for whining. Yeah. If... Uh, if my ears got to be uncomfortable, your butt's going to be uncomfortable, right? <laughs> right? Just like, how can you whine when you have a wedgie? It's just like you're just kind of, just kind of digging, right? Um, sorry for the visual. You hate your kids if you don't discipline them, but sometimes it's fun to to make light of those things. 
and stuff. It's not all bad. It's not all crazy. Sometimes you get to have fun with it. Uh, discipline without relationship leads to rebellion. If you don't have a relationship with your kids and all you're doing is yelling at them, like, let, let me, I, I got to specifically speak to the guys. I got to watch my time too. I'm, I'm, we're running out of time. If you don't have a relationship with your kids, like if Chris said to me the other day, like, you need to go hang out with one of our kids for a little bit. I just, I feel it, and I'm like, why? You know, like, not that I don't want to hang out with my child. I don't want to give you that impression, but I just was like, what's, what's the big deal? And she's like, you, you need to go hang out with him. So I sit down with him, and we sit and have this long talk that, like, starts with discipline at school and ends with, I'm not sure I believe what the Bible has to say. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, and he's, he's bawling. He thought I was going to be so mad at him. He, like, wouldn't tell me. I said, but I got to sit there and say to him, bud, like, there's nothing that you could say to me that's going to make me angry with you. There's absolutely nothing. And he's thinking, okay, the, the one thing that you would want more than anything from me, and it is, I do want that, is that I would love Jesus, and I'm just not sure I'm there yet. And I got to say, oh, buddy, I love you so much. I can't force you to love him. I can't force you to walk with God. Thank you so much for telling me that. Let's just, let's talk about it. Holy cow, how much time did it take for me to get to that? You, you don't know. It was probably uh, 30 minutes, just individual time, sitting on the bed. Sitting on the bed. You know what that affords me? It affords me the ability to have relationship and to not get rebellion when there's discipline. Because discipline is for his good. I don't want him to be lazy in the future and lose his job because he refuses to finish things as a child. I don't want him to uh, break the law all the time because I'm not holding him to the law here, right here and right now. I don't want him to lose his life because he acts foolishly. I, I, God has given this, uh, these children to me as a blessing, and I get to honor that blessing by raising these kids and, uh, and allow life to go much better for him and for me in the future. But here's the thing. You either pay now or you pay later. You pay now in time. You pay now in discomfort, having to get off the couch, having, having to not just overlook that sin every time, that problem. But you pay now by having to give focused time to this so that you can have a joy later on in life. You've got to have good relationship with, with your kids in order to lead them in, uh, in discipline. There's a scripture there. I'll just read verse 8, uh, chapter 4, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And what that's talking about is this, is that discipline brings wisdom. And if you listen to the wisdom that I'm bringing you, child, she will prize you highly. She will honor you if you embrace wisdom. And so that's what we're trying to communicate to our kids so there's two types of discipline here. There's verbal and corporal. Corporal is spanking. And so what I, what I want to say very uh, quickly here, I just, just I, I want to really caution on always 
going towards corporal punishment. I don't think that's wise. But let me begin here with, with verbal discipline. What is verbal discipline? Uh, first of all, you've got to be convinced that if you don't discipline, that you're destroying your child's life and that it's dishonoring to God if you don't lead your child. You must be convinced of that. And you must tell yourself, if your wife or your husband is saying, hey, why do you let them get away with that? That you have already told the child to stop doing that. You have already done this. You are letting the child scream at you, and that needs to stop. What you're doing, what you're doing is you're, you're allowing the child to destroy his life. You must believe that. You must believe that. Verbal discipline is a preemptive warning. It's like Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your, for your neck. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. And what, what is that talking about? It's talking about peer pressure. Yeah, son, the, ki- the kids that come up to you and say, hey, let's go pester everybody on the playground. That kid's a fool, don't go in with him. And it's, I'm telling him now, I'm preemptively telling him, and I'm saying, listen, don't go with kids who are saying that let's go do this, let's go do what's wrong here. It's going to be bad for you. Verbal discipline begins with training. It's done kindly. Son, I love you so much. Life is going to go well for you. Daughter, I love you so much. Life is going to go well for you if you follow what I'm saying to you. It's preemptive in nature. You must let your children know in advance that obedience is expected. Children, obey your parents. And the Lord, for this is right, it says in Ephesians chapter 6. And what it's saying there is it's saying this, that God expects you to expect from your children obedience. You cannot always say, well, they're three or they're six or whatever. It doesn't mean this, that they're always going to obey. It means they're going to act in accordance with their age and their mental development. So there's some things that you have to let go, but on another level, What is expected is that you are going to have obedience from your child. You must expect that from your child and communicate that to them regularly. You're disobeying mom and dad. This is is wrong. This is not what God wants. I cannot allow you to do this. You're destroying your life. If I let you do this now, when you become an adult, and obviously a three-year-old, a two-year-old is not going to really, what? What's adult? Um, when, when you get older, this is not going to go well for you. So let them know that obedience is expected. Encourage them always, especially when you see positive things, as I've said. Create a relationship where the child desires the approval of his parents. And what you want to do is you want them to desire your approval. You love them so much that they want to please mom and dad. And what you get to do is you get to transfer that approval from an unhealthy desire for approval from man to God. And to the degree that you say, yes, I have your approval, look at this, but Jesus is better. But Jesus is better. Look, seek out his approval. Mom and dad are following God's plan here, and so you must look for their approval. And then lastly, with the verbal, never belittle, shame, or yell. Now the yelling, I gotta say, I'm working on it. And part of it's because I'm on the lawnmower. I'm like, get the toys off the lawn, right? I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes I don't even know that I'm doing it. I've, I've, with my, my daughters, my tone of voice. Oh, my tone of voice. Goodness gracious, I have to change it. I have to change it. I've scared them. Reagan, 
scares her. Just scares her. I have to change it. I can't, I can't yell. You cannot belittle them into being obedient. You're damaging your child that way. So you can, over, you can overcorrect or shame them. Look at what you've done. Rub their nose in it like they're a dog. Look at what you've done. Rather than coming alongside of them and just saying, buddy, you can't keep doing this. You gotta stop. You, you, you need to understand. I, I mean, I've said this to my kids so many times. I, I mean, I, I've like almost pleaded with the older ones. I just need you to understand. Like, I hate spanking I mean, like, I hate spanking like I hate a vegetarian meal, right? I mean, can't stand it. Don't want it. Don't want, I do not want to spank you. But you have to understand that I will spank you if this continues. I don't want to do that. Don't make me do it. You get to make the choice. Please stop. Okay, that gets through sometimes. Okay, let's move on to corporal discipline. When it comes to corporal discipline, this is the exception and it is not the rule. Fundamentalist church backgrounds, um, you know, strict, um, strict religions, strict countries and things of that nature have often overdone this to the point of abuse. This should never be abuse. It should always be connected to a specific instance. It is always as, free, as infrequent as possible. As infrequent as possible. You must, you must really think through, okay, uh, am, am I spanking too much? Is this child just simply too young to get this? Are they just forgetting all the time and I just need to keep reminding them? At what point do I, do I go with a spanking? At what point do I not? I try everything else in the world to, to do by, you know, time out. And we're, we're timing timeouts now where it's like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. That is an eternity for these children, right? Like you're in this chair for this long. But listen, sometimes that stuff does not work. Sometimes that stuff does not work. And so our, our rule of thumb has been this, corporal discipline for deliberate defiance. Corporal discipline. Discipline for deliberate defiance. What this is, is this. Mom and dad, I heard you. I clearly understood what you said. And basically, I'm doing it anyway. Uh, it starts at a very young age. And let me tell you something. If you don't deal with those attitudes when they're in the high chair, you will be dealing with them later on in life. And they will get worse and worse and worse. You must deal with them at a young age. And I'm not talking about physical abuse, getting out a paddle and like, you know, uh, uh, spanking your infant uh, or something like that. But it's when the child can sit at the high chair, take his or her food and go like this. And you say, do not drop that on the floor. Don't do it. And they go, that was my wife. She did that to her parents. Like, can you believe that? It's crazy. <laughs> Very rebellious. It's taken a while to, to get things under control, but uh, I'm in trouble for that. But uh, I got to laugh, though. That's what is worth it. So um, it's, it's, it's deliberately dropping the food on the floor. And for us, uh, sometimes it's, I think with Finley, our youngest, it was no. And that was like, uh, I mean, just the, her world came apart, right? But it did get to a point where it was, it's, it doesn't hurt. It's, 
a flick. I don't know why, but it just it, it devastates her. Just a little flick on the hand. And guess what? That stopped. And now all we have to say, do you want a flick? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Waddles off of the dirty diaper. Um, you know, uh, it's, and I'm not, I'm not saying that our children are the greatest models of obedience. I was like, we're struggling through it too, so I'll probably have some stuff I'll change about this, you know, years down the road. Um, but I will say this, that that has seemed to work thus far. So some of you are older, been around longer, you've, you've had some experiences of your own, but, but that's what we have seen to be true. Proverbs 22, verse 15, folly is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You must understand and believe this, that your child does not start off perfect, that your child um, is not just this perfect little infant and, um, you know, there's nothing that could corrupt them. You need to understand that folly, because of the fall, foolishness is wrapped up in the heart of a child, and you must drive it from them. That is your job. A couple more things here. Corporal discipline, in love, not frustration or anger. If you're frustrated, if you're angry, don't spank right at that moment. If you can't seem to spank very close to the moment of offense um, because you're so frustrated or angry, just don't spank. Take care of it next time. Get yourself right. Do not spank out of anger. Do not spank out of frustration. Those are not good things. Those are not good things. You need to, clearly as possible, give the specific reason why the child is being spanked. They need to be able to understand this. When they're very young, it has to be like, drop the food. It's, it's, it's very quick because they need to associate this with the discipline, right? Um, when they get a little bit older, it's this happened. When we get home, there's going to be a, a consequence. You're going to, to get a spanking. We, we need to go into the room. There needs to be no distractions. And we have to sit down and we have to say, I told you that if you did this one more time, that this would take place. And you did not listen to me. I've told you this repeatedly. I've given you multiple opportunities. And now you have to get a spanking. Okay? And that's normally devastating in and of itself. And it doesn't take a ton more beyond that other than a small swat. Um, again, for the ch- this is for the child, not for you and your comfort. And then lastly, you've got to give grace as often as absolutely possible without destroying your child. And here's what I mean by that. When I was a kid, my dad told me not to use the machete. We lived down in Florida. I was not allowed to use, it's basically a, kind of a sword like that. And I was, I don't know, probably six. My dad told me not to use the machete. I was not allowed to use that no matter what. Well, in Florida, our water pipes ran across the uh, top of the ground because the ground was so hard. They just, water pipes, PVC. So you can tell where this is going. I'm like, I'm going to go out and chop some stuff up, right? Take that machete and first hit, whack, right on the PVC pipe, right? So now there's no water in the house. I can't, like, cover this up and bury it. Like, it's flooding, right? And the house doesn't have any water. And so I have to call my dad at work. He's down at the, at the uh, church getting ready to preach a sermon, and I've got I've to interrupt him. And I've got to tell him on the phone. I said, Dad... I did what you told me not to. I used the machete and I chopped a hole in the water pipe. So my dad comes home and like 
dude, we got some spankings when we were kids. You thought you had it difficult? There's none of these flicks, right? And I'm just like, uh, you know, dad's coming home. I'm just like crying. Oh, no, dad, please. Oh, my gosh. I thought for sure. And I think he came in and he was like, I think he felt bad. But he was gracious. And he said, come on, Matt. Let's go fix the pipe. And I'm like, oh, I'm not getting spanked. But you know what? I didn't grab that machete again and chop that pipe. Right? I, I remember that moment of grace. You got to have grace in those moments. You got to know your child enough to say, they know. They know right now what they've done is wrong. And so holding off in those, in those circumstances. Ultimately, the way forward with this stuff is to understand the gospel in its fullness. If you come to your kids and, and you, you basically say, you know, you guys are a bunch of sinners. I've got a bunch of sinners in my house. These kids are screwing everything up. If you come with a self-righteous attitude, you're going to discipline with a haughty attitude, with, with pride, with arrogance. And if you're somebody who says, you know what, I don't really, I don't really want to do anything. I just... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be diligent here. I'm going to be lazy. So you can, either, you can either not discipline because you're lazy or you can discipline because you're self-righteous. So how do you hit in the middle there and, and go, okay, I'm going to discipline in the humility of the Lord. I'm going to discipline the way that God would have me discipline. Well, it comes through only one thing. It comes through knowing and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes through knowing and understanding what the gospel is because the gospel says something about us. It says, I'm so bad that God had to die for me. I'm so bad that, that God had to die for me. And here's the truth about Jesus is that he was not, um, it wasn't that he had to die for me, like he was being forced into it, like, oh gosh, I got to do this. It wasn't that he was mad that he was going to die for me, but it says that he was glad to die for me. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here's how you can understand discipline with your kids. If you understand the gospel and you say, I'm a sinner, and Jesus didn't begrudgingly go to the cross for me. He didn't inconvenience himself uh, begrudgingly. He wasn't forced into it like this, this, you know, helpless lamb necessarily. He went willingly. And more than that, for the joy that was set before him, this joy of glorifying God through this act of going to the cross, this joy that, that brought to him, God is being glorified because through his sacrifice on the cross, I am saved. I get to have resurrection. I get to have righteousness. And so what this is saying is this, is that like if you don't have a picture of the gospel in your mind and say, you know what, Jesus did his work for me. He was diligent for me. He came to, to earth to come and allow me to be a part of his family so that God could be my father. If I don't see that, then you're always going to be lazy, not diligent in your discipline, or you're going to be overzealous. 
But the humility of believing the gospel says this, I'm a sinner in need of grace. My kids are no bigger of sinners than I am. We're just, we're just sinners. But because Jesus went to the cross for me and because I look to him ultimately for my confidence, for my advice, for my wisdom, what he says is that I need to lead my kids in this way and model for them the humility that says, you know, son, sometimes I'm wrong. I was, I was, I, I was outside working. We were having people over soon, people from the church, and of course I'm yelling at my, my uh, oldest son to, uh, to, I don't know, move some stuff. He keeps leaving toys on the patio, and I'm like trying to clean it off. I kept yelling at him, and I'm just going, I don't know how long my son's going to put up with me. I'm, I'm just, I keep sinning against him. I just keep sinning against him. So I have to reflect on the gospel and just say this. Like, if I sit here and act like I've done nothing wrong, then my son gets no picture of the gospel. But if I say to my son, like I did, and I don't like to make myself the hero and things, but I, I just want you to know that I had to humble myself. I hope this is an example to you men and to you women. And I had to say to him, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. He said, what are you talking about, Dad? I said, son, I've been yelling at you. I've been, I've been kind of angry today, and I'm sorry. He said, it's okay. We had a sidearm hug, and things are fine. Do you know what, you know what he knows? Dad knows that he's wrong. He knows that dad is wrong about stuff. He might try to hide that and say, I'm never wrong. You know, I'm, that's not a display of the gospel. That's just a way to make your kids hate you and say, dad is always right about things. I can never be like dad. But you know, if I model for him, the reason why I can admit that I'm wrong in this instance, son, the reason why I can say I'm sorry is because the only way to Jesus is through humility, and that's the way that I live my life right now, and I want to welcome you into that same life. That's the only way to do it. It's only through the gospel. I have to wrap up, but I'm gonna say this. If you had bad parents, there's one of two things, or there's something going on in your mind, and that is, or what you perceive to be bad parents, you've been living with that all of your life and you've been saying, yes, yeah, see, yes, yeah, see, yes, yeah, see. They did that to me and that's why I'm doing this. Do you know what? You're still a child. They're still controlling you. They're still dominating your life. You're still a child. If you had great parents and they didn't point to Jesus, but you're living in their shadow and, and, you're, and you're somebody who is you're, you can never measure up. You can never measure up. The scriptures say this, that you've got to honor your mother and father that it may go well with you. So whether you liked your parents or whether you hated your parents, the scripture says this, that what, whether they disciplined you, whether they followed Jesus, whether they screwed up, or whether it doesn't matter what it is, you've got to honor your parents. You've got to honor your parents. And when you honor your parents... When you forgive them, it shows this. It shows that you believe the gospel. It shows that you say, you know, because Jesus has forgiven me of all my faults, I can forgive them. 
because Jesus is God, I can look to him as my ultimate approval and not to my parents anymore. I no longer have to be a child. So for the single folks here, and I'm sorry I'm giving you the last two minutes of the sermon, you've got to honor your parents. And the way that you honor them is like today. You honor your mom, whether you like her or not. You gotta love her, you gotta honor her because she's your mom. Whether your dad abused you, something like that, and I realize that can be incredibly difficult and probably would take a lot of counseling. But ultimately, God still says you gotta honor your parents. You gotta honor your parents. You gotta show that Jesus overcame a massive debt that you owed him by going to the cross and saying, I'm gonna extend that to my parents as well. You honor them on this day. You forgive them for the sins that they've committed against you. You look to Jesus for your approval. I've gotta leave it at that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have to say to us. Lord, that you have the words of life. Lord, that you have everything that we need. And Lord, it's something as specific as parenting that it's, it's not really up to us in the big things, that really it's up to you in the way that you design things. And if we would stop arrogantly thinking that we know better than God, that things would go so much better for us. So Lord, we ask that we'd participate with your design, but Lord, more than that, Lord, that we would um, be availed of the humility uh, necessary to be able to believe your gospel. Lord, for some of us, we've believed the gospel, but Lord, we have not applied it to this part of our life. Lord, for others of us in here, we have never fully believed the gospel. We're like Eli's sons. We've been going to church all our lives, and we just, but we, we don't know the first thing. And it's not just that we're sinners, because we're all sinners, but it's just that we just don't understand. And so, Lord, today's the day. Lord, I, I pray for those that have just... They've been church attenders and maybe don't know you, Lord, that they'd receive you by faith and say, because of your sacrifice, because you were glad to die for me, because you were not forced into this, because you did not feel obligated, but because you went for the joy that was set before you, the glory of God found in saving sinners saving someone like me. Lord, I want to receive that by faith. Lord, I pray that many of us in here, if we have not already, Lord, that we would do that today and Lord, that we'd pray with someone, that we'd tell someone. So Lord, we ask this from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.